pray before we get into today's sermon. Father, we stand, we are in awe of you, of who you are. Jesus, you are the risen Son of God, the Savior of the world. We acknowledge that, we, and we exalt your name. Your name is above all names. And we exalt you this morning. God, I pray that you would speak through your servant this morning. That our hearts would be ready. That you would declare something prophetically over our lives, into our spirits, to cause resurrection life to spring forth in our spirits, in our souls, in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Last Sunday, we celebrated Palm Sunday. Wasn't it great? Just so amazing. I mean, Lauren Daly, who led us in worship, said that Palm Sunday is is your favorite day of celebration. And I could see why. I mean, it is a special, anointed Sunday. Wasn't it a blessing to watch the kids coming into the church, waving the palm branches? They weren't hitting one another. That was a good thing. We had that happen one Sunday before in the past. But no, it was beautiful. It was. It was, it was so emotional, actually, to see that. To, to, to watch them coming in, and we were singing together, Hosanna to the Son of David. It was such a beautiful Sunday last Sunday. It really was. We recognized Jesus' lordship in a special way. And I believe Palm Sunday serves as an important reminder for who Jesus is. Jesus Christ is our Savior. He is the one whom God sent to be the answer for sin and to be the restorer of all things. The word salvation in Greek is sozo. It means to save, to heal, to deliver. That Jesus Christ is our Savior means that He came to save us from sin and judgment. It means that Jesus Christ came to heal us of our sickness and our brokenness. It means that Jesus came to deliver us from the curse of the fall and the bondage to sin and death. Jesus is Savior. Jesus is also our Lord and King. He is the center of our lives. He is the focal point, the, the, the singular point to which we direct our attention, all of our affections, when we direct them to Him, something happens in our souls. We we begin to realize, I was made for this. When we live to glorify Jesus Christ, magnify Him through our lives, we experience life in that place. In the book of Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, those who lose their lives, those who save their lives will lose it. Those who lose their lives for my sake will find it. When we put ourselves to the side and put Jesus at the center of our lives, we experience life everlasting. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 1.21, for to me, 
to live is Christ and to die is gain. When I am alive, it is all about Christ. I get all of my fulfillment and satisfaction in Him. To live is Christ and to die, it's gain because I'm with Him all the time. I'm fulfilled. I'm in that place of fulfillment all the time. Palm Sunday is a day where we get to announce all that Jesus is for us. Announce Jesus as we ought to announce every day that he is still king over my life. Then we came to Good Friday. Traditionally, Good Friday is observed with a somber reverence, and I believe that it's important for that to be the case. Our Lord and Savior experienced the worst the worst of human suffering, the worst of human punishment, the worst of human rejection. Jesus suffered greatly, greatly for us. And yet we are also reminded that Christ's suffering was not in vain. It wasn't unnecessary. It had to happen. It had to happen. And Jesus, knowing that it had to happen, knowing that our redemption would be completed through his suffering, through crucifixion, he endured it all. He endured the cross for us. So in remembrance and in the spirit of thankfulness for what God has done, we gathered together on Friday, together with Lincoln Heights Church, our mother church, and we worshiped Jesus together. And I'm so thankful, so thankful for the body of Christ for worship leaders, for anointed composers who for generations have written profound songs that we can sing corporately together to help our hearts and minds engage with the Lord during this very important season. One of the songs we sang was the powerful song, Worthy is the Lamb. And the chorus goes like this. Worthy is the Lamb. Seated on the throne. Crown you now with many crowns. You reign victorious. High and lifted up. Jesus, Son of God, the darling of heaven, crucified. Worthy is the Lamb. We sang this together and for the reflection we focused in on one of the lines. Crown you now. With many crowns, you reign victorious. And the picture that I wanted us to have was the picture of the crown. For the reflection on Friday, I wanted us to think about crowns. And we talked about the crown Jesus wore in the moments before, leading up to his crucifixion. It wasn't the type of crown a king would normally wear. He wore the crown of thorns. And the crown of thorns was the focus of our reflection on Good Friday. And today on Resurrection Sunday, we are going to continue this discussion on the topic of crowns. And like I mentioned on Friday, I want us to remember again for today's reflection that a crown as a symbol is a symbol of authority. A crown represents authority. 
But the crown that we discussed on Friday didn't seem like a crown of authority. It didn't seem like that. And just to give a bit of a recap of Friday's reflection, we read from John chapter 19. And in that chapter, it talks about the soldiers who mocked Jesus. And they put together a crown of thorns. They placed it on his head. And then they struck him. They mocked him. But what they had no idea what they were doing was that what was done in mockery, God turned it around to declare something powerful. That Jesus, that the crown of thorns declared Jesus king over the thorns of life, over the curse of Genesis 3, over the storms, over the trials, over sin, sorrow, and sweat. We talked about that on Friday. And the crown of thorns became a crown of glory and honor. Hebrews 2.9 says, But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. This passage says that Jesus, for a little while, was made lower than the angels. What is that talking about? Well, there's a very similar passage to this. In fact, the wording is almost identical, found in the Old Testament, in a passage in Psalm chapter 8. So let's look at that. Psalm 8, verse 4 to 5 says this, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. Psalm chapter 8 is talking about man and woman. It's talking about humankind. It's talking about us. It's talking about you. It's talking about me. You see, in the Old Testament, when the phrase son of man is used, it's talking about a person. When God addressed Ezekiel, he said, son of man, what do you see? So son of man is another way of saying, hey, you. It's talking about people. And the interesting thing is that it, also, in Psalm 8, it's talk, it uses this phrase again, crown you, crown him with glory and honor. Psalm 8 isn't referring to Jesus. It's referring to people who are crowned with glory and honor. That humanity is crowned with glory and honor. But I'll get back to that. Let's just put that on pause for a second. I'll get back to that. Hold that thought for a moment. Back to Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews uses this passage in Psalm 8 when he writes Hebrews 2.9. And he says that Jesus became like one of us. God in the flesh. He became man. For a little while was made lower than the angels. Talking about becoming a man, a person. And because of his suffering and death, Jesus was crowned with glory and honor. 
So Hebrews 2.9 is saying Jesus is the one that's crowned. He is given glory, glory and honor. He is given authority. Now authority was something Jesus walked in throughout his ministry. Matthew chapter 7, 28 to 29 says, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. You see, there was something unique about Jesus. He taught with authority because he backed up his teaching with signs and wonders. He didn't just say stuff. He backed it up with action, with miracles. When he taught about the kingdom of God, he demonstrated also the kingdom of God. That's teaching with authority. And the demonstrations of the kingdom were always restorative in nature. That's what Jesus did. He restored people. He restored the sick. He restored the blind back to seeing. He restored the deaf back to hearing. He restored people back to their right mind. He came to restore things and people. And those were signs of the kingdom of God. Those were signs of His authority. One thing we need to understand about authority is that it's always given. Authority is given. I used to work for this company. Uh, I've talked about this here at Trinity. I worked in manufacturing. I was working in a machine shop. I was also going out on the road, installing the things that we were creating, making, building. And I worked my way up to manager, the position of manager. And so I was the shop foreman. I was also an installation manager. So my boss, who happens to be a family member uh, of, of, of ours, um, he gave me authority with that position. And with that authority, I represented his authority in the shop and on the road. I represented his authority, especially when he wasn't in the office. I was the one in charge. Now, there were seasons in, our, uh, on, in, in the year where there were, it was really busy. There were seasons, times where it was very slow. And so during the high times, we would hire a lot of uh, temporary workers. And then when the low season came, we'd, they, they would be laid off. And so this was just how the way things had to be at that company. And so during one of these high seasons, we hired a whole bunch of temporary workers. And this one time, we hired this guy, uh, among others, and he's just one of those people where <laughs> he's a test of everything imaginable of what it means to be a Christ-centered follower of Jesus Christ. He tested my patience. He tested everything. I mean, anger, everything. He had a mind that was like a toilet. 
and his mouth, you know, it says, out of the heart the mouth speaks. He proved this verse. Okay, it was just, wow. And un- insubordinate, like totally, totally insubordinate. And uh, in front of the boss, he'd be like, hi, you know. He'd be like so great and do, pretend to do his work and all this. And then boss is gone, I'm in charge, and it was like totally different story. Total disrespect. Um, it was very difficult to work with this guy. And one day, I just had enough, so I fired him. That's a long story. Just I'm just, you know. I fired him. And he laughed. He's like, yeah, you can't fire me. I was like, okay, you're fired. And he's like, well, I'm going to go to the boss. I'm like, go ahead. And so he went to the boss, who happens to be a family member. And he's like, yeah, yeah, uh, James over there says that I'm fired. And he's like, well, what did you do? Um, I was like, well, why don't you talk to him? And so I, I, you know, I had this conversation with uh, my boss. And he's like, okay, that sounds right. You're fired. The authority that I was given was valid. I represented my boss's authority. And I was able to exert that authority when it needed to be done. Authority is given. Matthew chapter 28, 18, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. God the Father gave Jesus, the Son, all authority in heaven and on earth. Authority comes from God. Now I wonder if you can guess where this sermon is going to go. Because you see, today we're celebrating the fact that Jesus rose again from the dead. Ephesians 1 verse 20 says that God worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Jesus, the Son of God, is seated at the right hand of God. That's a picture of authority. That's what that's talking about. Jesus is in a place of authority. He has all authority. And just as the Father gave Jesus authority, get this, Jesus gives you and I authority. That's right. Luke chapter 10, verse 19 says this, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Wow. Let that, you know what? Let's just pause for a second. Let that sink into your spirit for a second there. Okay? Let that reality sink into your spirit. Jesus, the one who taught with authority, the one who demonstrated his authority, who carried all authority, is now giving us authority. I didn't make that up. It's in the scriptures. It's right there. Jesus has given those who put their trust in him, who follow him, who are called his disciples, authority. And notice what it says, that we have been given authority over all the power of the enemy. All of it. That means there's someone with none of it. Now let's go back to Psalm 8 and Hebrews 2.9. Remember what I said earlier about Psalm 8? I was talking about humanity being crowned with glory and honor. This too is talking about authority. We were given authority. In fact, we were created to have authority in, on the earth. And to show that we were, we need to go back to the beginning. 
So let's look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 to 29. This is what it says. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Do you know what the word subdue means? To bring under control. To have authority over. That's what we were created for. To have dominion. Then have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth, including the serpent. We were created to have dominion. But then Genesis 3 happens and humanity that was made to be rulers became slaves. But Jesus, I love those two words put together, but Jesus. Just as he came to restore the blind, restore the deaf, restore the broken, Jesus also came to restore what was originally God's plan for humanity. For us to live in the light of God-given authority. Jesus came to restore the, cla- the crown of glory and honor that God meant for us to wear. He did. Now you might be saying, well, that's nice, James. What does that even mean? What does that even look like? My life doesn't look like that right now. What are you talking about? Well, let's look at what the Word of God says. Romans chapter 5, 21 says this. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What this verse is saying is this. Sin and death reigned in our lives. It did. We were totally bound to it. It was a part of the curse, the curse of the fall, the curse of Genesis 3, like we talked about on Good Friday, the curse of the thorns. That was, that was it. That we were bound to sin and death. Sin and death used to reign in our lives. That is, until grace appeared. Until grace appeared. Until Christ came and changed everything. He changed everything. He took that authority back. Colossians 2.15 says, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. So the authority that the enemy had to exercise his power over humanity has been disarmed through Christ's death and resurrection. And the authority that Jesus has taken back has been given to you and I so that we could reign, R-E-I-G-N, reign in this life over sin and reign over death through the promise and the hope of eternal life. Death, where is your sting? It's no more. Romans 5.17 says, For if because of one man's trespass, death 
reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. We were given authority through Jesus Christ so that we can reign on the earth. That means that we have authority over all the power of the enemy when he attempts to subdue us. That means that in Jesus' name, we can shut down the things that try to bring us down before they actually do. I shut down pride in the name of Jesus. I shut down anger in the name of Jesus. I shut down fear in the name of Jesus. I shut down anxiety in the name of Jesus. Lust. Every temptation in the name of Jesus because I have authority. Those things are not my identity. I am a child of God. And so I command those things to be nullified right now in Jesus' name. We do not have to be bound. Christ has restored authority in our lives. To give you a picture of what this might look like, okay? Just think about a horse. A horse, of course. <laughs> yeah. We got to have a little comedic breakthrough intensity, right? It's intense. Okay. Horse. Think about a horse. How powerful are horses, right? Oh, man. They are powerful, majestic beings. Powerful, powerful. If a horse wanted to, it could really do damage to me. It really could. But now think of a trainer, a person who has authority over that horse. Though the horse could harm that person, the trainer can put restraints on that horse and even put it into a barn to totally nullify its power. How? Because that person has authority. That's the picture. Think of it that way. This is the picture of what Jesus has given us. When he says in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, that he has given us authority, it means he's given us authority over the power of the enemy. That doesn't mean the enemy doesn't have power. Let's not be blind to that truth as well. The enemy has power. We see evidence of it all over the world. We see it in our neighborhoods. We see it on the news. We see it everywhere. He has power. But what it means is that the enemy doesn't have the right to exert that power over me because Christ has given me authority. And so the question is this. Are we using it? Are we using it? Because church, the keys have been taken. The enemy has been totally disarmed. We have been given authority. Let's use it and live in the victory and the authority that we've been given. It is our inheritance. Resurrection Sunday is all about remembering that Jesus has the victory 
And we have been given victory. Resurrection Sunday is all about remembering that Jesus has authority and we have been given authority. It is a day to remember that Jesus came to restore all things. And you know, the restoration work continues to extend. Jesus isn't finished restoring all things yet. There's more to be done. Revelations 5 Revelation 5, 9-10 says this, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. What a beautiful passage. And a lot of Christians, we stop there in terms of receiving revelation about what it means that Christ died for us. This is profound. This is beautiful. I don't want to take away from this. Yes, Jesus died for us to redeem us and ransom us from every tribe, tongue, nation. It's beautiful. It's profound. But that's not where it ends. There's more. In fact, there's another verse right after, verse 10. And it says this, And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. That's talking about you and me, us, blood-bought, ransomed, redeemed people of God are reigning on earth. The message of Jesus is not just about forgiving our sins. The message of Jesus is not just about waiting it out until we fly away someday to our heavenly dwelling. The message of Jesus is that through Him we are crowned now, crowned as kings and also as, get this, priests. Priests. Do you know what a priest does? Do you know what the function of a priest is? Just to boil it down, a priest connects people to God. That's what they do. A priest connects people to God. And so Jesus crowns us with authority to reign over sin and death and to bring others in so that they too can reign in this life over sin and death. The crown of authority that Christ has given us extends to others. And the way we do it, the way we extend that crown is through steadfast love and mercy. Psalm 103, 2-4 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and watch this, who crowns you. Wow who crowns you, again, a symbol of authority. He crowns you how? With steadfast love and mercy. One of the benefits of being a child of God is that we are crowned with steadfast love and mercy. We represent Him. We represent His authority in our lives when we live our lives displaying His steadfast love and 
and mercy. Love is powerful, church. It's the most powerful force in the world. It is the power to disarm. Love is the power to transform people. Difficult people, even. Love is the power to transform them. Love is the power to set people free. I met a man one time. He was a former gang member, former drug dealer. He's been here to the church before. Oh man, he's quite the sight to see. He's huge. Huge guy. Tattoos on his face. Just very intimidating looking. Okay? He has quite the testimony. Powerful, crazy testimony. And I remember hearing about how he used to treat people, how he used to overpower them, intimidate them, beat people up. I mean, it was, wow, something out of the movies, for real. They, they probably have a movie about this guy. And um, powerful, powerful. Well, one day he was beaten up by his own gang members, and he was in his room, in his home, just on the floor, couldn't move. And in that place of vulnerability, he cries out to God, And his prayer to God was, God, for once in my life, I want to experience pure love. This man who had power, he had money, he had notoriety, people feared him, was totally broken. And in this moment, he cried out to God and he encountered the love of God in a powerfully tangible way on the floor. Because he would admit that he felt, even though he had all this stuff, even though people looked at him and was like, whoa, you know, and, he, and he, part of him, he had that power, that sense of power, he loved it. Even though he had all that, he felt deeply lonely inside. He admitted that. And yet in that moment, on the floor, when he was left totally alone, he encountered the love of God. And that transformed his life totally and he wrote a book called the tender heart of a beast and his name is mike bull roberts and his testimony is on 100 huntley street on their website on their youtube channel you can check it out it's a powerful testimony of a man completely transformed by the power of god's love love is powerful it is powerful And we are crowned with God's steadfast love. That's a power that can transform this world, church. Completely. Totally. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 16, 14, Let all that you do be done in love. When we do all that we do in love, We are living in light of the crown we have been given. The crown of glory and honor. The crown of steadfast love and mercy. I want to invite the ushers forward for uh, communion at this time. Just invite Kim up at this time. You know, the incredible truth about this is that Jesus was crowned with the crown we all wore spiritually. The crown of thorns. And he exchanged it for a crown of glory and honor. The crown we were originally meant to have. 
And this is what the Easter season is all about, church. It's all about the divine exchange. A divine exchange that restores authority to its proper God-given place and to extend it through God's loving kindness and tender mercy. And so now as we prepare to take communion this morning, let us 